Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Commonwealth Conversations Everyday Minutemen Stories, brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective. I'm your host, Nathan Strauss. Today's guest is Mike Mannix. Mike is uh, an assistant athletic director at Wilbraham and Monson Academy. You might know him from leading uh, the Massachusetts TBT team this last off season, or also hosting the uh, the coaching ladder spaces on Twitter, or from maybe your time at UMass back in uh, 1998 through 2003, or your time at Drexel, et cetera, et cetera. You have been around the basketball world for a long time, Mike, but what was your introduction to UMass hoops? Um, growing up as a, a kid from Holyoke, Massachusetts, um, I think I was like the perfect age, um, you know, for like a, a young guy, right. A boy, um, really falling in love with all sorts of sports. And then you find yourself and you're in, I guess, um, sixth, fifth or sixth grade. And, you know, UMass makes the sweet 16, you get the Harper Williams, like the only three-point make of his career uh, against Syracuse in the round of 32. Um, get to the Sweet 16. I remember the game against Kentucky and, um, you know, in the spectrum. So that obviously just burnt into my mind um, and put a stamp on me as, you know, a UMass fan and, you know, a UMass person for life. And then you obviously you go to UMass. Did you have a moment where you began to get involved with the team on a level that was sort of deeper or higher than just fandom? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think Nathan, it came from um, slowly uh, forming the connection with the coaching staff uh, that was there when I was there. So the coaching staff, when I got there as a freshman, it was Bruiser Flint was the head coach, uh, John Robick was in his last year um, as an assistant. Tony Barbie was there um, and uh, and Jeff Arnold. And then there were some uh, some guys that were on the administrative side, like Mike Connors, um, who would then soon thereafter be promoted to assistant coach. Um, Brian Gorman, who was a longtime administrative kind of basketball ops kind of guy. Um, and then Matt Comer, um, who I can't forget, was the academic advisor and Bill Taylor was graduate assistant. 
Um, I still talk to every single one of those guys to this day pretty frequently, um, which I, I guess just goes to show you, like as a student, built up a pretty good relationship with those guys and therefore made my connection to the team a lot stronger and then began living and dying with the team. And of course, those kind of connections ended up, I think, serving you pretty well professionally because you end up as Bruiser Flint's Dobo and uh, <laughs> for, for a couple of years. And that's a team that also included, you know, Bashir Mason and some other guys who have gone on to have, you know, coaching careers of their own. How have you seen like your web of connections across the basketball world evolve since your UMass days? Well, you're absolutely right. It helped in my favor because it got me jobs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it has kept me employed. Um, so, you know, but all kidding aside, um, Bruiser has helped me with numerous jobs. Uh, Brian Gorman has helped me not just, um, you know, finding jobs or references, but um, he and I have actually worked together because he was, um, and it takes a real hardcore UMass fan or old older time UMass fan to know Brian. Um, but he then became the head coach at Becker College, uh, which was a, di a division three school that just recently closed during COVID out in the Worcester area. And um, very long story short, I had a player that played for me in division two basketball when I was coaching in college that then transferred and I helped um, him land at, at Becker and play for Brian. He was really good there. So you know, I've kept in touch with these guys in all different ways and, you know, kind of worked with them in all, all ways, shapes and forms. And, um, you know, Kentucky for, uh, for a point in time or period of time recruited Kyle Filipowski. Um, so I worked with Bruiser on that. Um, but it's, it, it's been great right now because um, they are longtime veterans of the business and, you know, I've been in the business, the profession of coaching for, um, I guess, like about 22 years or so. And, you know, they're, um, I guess they're now helping me navigate the part of my career, which they were in when I met them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it's, 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 it's like, I mean, you know, you're, you're simultaneously navigating your own career, but also watching as the, everyone else has their own trajectory as well. And it, it's, you know, everyone is moving forward at, at the same pace, but in different spots. Yeah. Yeah. And the, those guys were all like in their mid forties when I met them, you know, early to mid forties um, or maybe late thirties at, at the youngest. And now, you know, I'm in my mid forties and, you know, kind of looking at how they managed to be basketball coaches and at a higher level, obviously than where I am, but basketball coaches and, you know, also, you know, having a family and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's kind of a neat phase right now that we're in that those guys are kind of like all my godfathers of basketball. <laughs> so, and so you, you coached, you know, the Commonwealth TBT this last summer. And of course, you know, as the head coach at Wilbraham and Monson, there's also, you know, I'm sure a sizable recruiting portion that gets you involved, at least in a sort of text basis with coaches from around the area. How else or or how do you view your involvement with the UMass program these days as both, you know, coach of the TVT team, um, you know, coach of a, of a prep program in the area, et cetera? Um, well, uh, I think uh, when when Coach Martin got the job, um, 
I went up and visited uh, very early on when he was at UMass and, and watched the team work out during the spring period of, uh, I guess it would have been 22, spring of 22. Um, and uh, that was the second time I'd ever met him. Uh, we had a, a very close uh, mutual friend, Chuck Martin, who now coincidentally works for uh, Coach Cal at Kentucky. And Chuck worked at UMass for one season under Bruiser and then coached uh, with Frank at South Carolina for quite a while. So we kind of connected that way. Um, and I just told, you know, Coach, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have any players for you. I don't know if I can ever help, but, you know, I, I'd like to come around and, uh, you know, just watch some practices and pick your brain. And um, slowly just kind of developed a friendship, I guess. And uh, actually now um, Frank's son is here playing for me. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um but Christian is here as a sophomore. So now it's funny because Frank and I kind of laugh because Frank's the basketball dad. Right. And, <laughs> I, and I'm coaching his son. And, um, you know, we, we, we have our little kind of like inside jokes, you know, about coaching and parenting and all that stuff. So um, I, I just, it's, it's been really cool, Nathan, I think over the past, you know, year and a half or so getting to know coach because um uh, you know, it's kind of been like a renewed sense of connection for me to the program. And certainly now working with Pat and the Commonwealth, um, you know, I, I, I feel as connected to the program uh, as I ever have before, or, you know, in, in a little bit of a different way, but as connected as I did when I was helping to stuff envelopes for recruiting mail outs back in 1999. Yeah. I mean, we talked to Jason Germain, um, last week as well, and he was talking about how important it is to continue the ties for alumni of the program to the University of Massachusetts. And I think you play a part in that as well, especially with, you know, the TBT uh, involvement too. Do you have a favorite UMass basketball moment that stands out to you, either a, an in-game moment or something for you personally? Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, as a kid, you know, I can remember watching a lot, a lot of games. My my dad is a UMass grad, um, so we have kind of a, a stronger, like, family connection. Um, but a, a basketball, one specific basketball memory, you know, it's it's not one specific thing. Uh, and I'll try not to be too long-winded on this. Um, the the last year, even though it was bittersweet because it was Bruiser's last year as head coach and it didn't end the way any of us wanted it to, um, the team started off two and nine. And, you know, not great. And then had a great run after that. 2001, um, they had like a monumental comeback against GW in the Mullen center. Um, and I was on Christmas break um, and being at that game and seeing them come back, I think they were down 15 at the half or 16 and won by 15 or 16. And that started a huge run in the A-10 tournament um, or in the A-10 conference play, made it to the Atlantic 10 championship and lost a tough game to Temple. Um that was a cool moment for me being inside the program a bit as a student to see how brew and the staff kind of buckled down. They didn't let the outside noise interfere with anything. 
and that great run that they had, it was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever been a witness to. Um, and just how they kind of stayed steady and consistent, um, kept the team focused. That That's, for me, a very unique, uh, you know, I, I doubt anybody else, you know, has that exact same kind of perspective. But for me as a young guy wanting to be a coach, it was awesome to see um, outside, you know, that's different from all the great, you know, Coach Cal victories and everything. But that was a really cool um, kind of season for me to be a witness to. That's why we're having these conversations with so many different people, because there are these valuable different perspectives and it can be lost a little bit as we're all as we sort of hyper focus on the season at hand. But it's it's really cool to be able to learn about how people experienced, you know, different parts of you know their UMass journey, which is why we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, let's talk briefly NIL. How important do you think NIL is now as someone who's involved in the pre-collegiate recruiting side of things? And how can people help or how does it help UMass get an edge? Huge. Uh, it is monumental um, in a program's success. It's going to be, it's going to have a major impact one way or the other on a program success. Um, I think we've, I think we've gotten through the stage as coaches and, and um, as, as true, true basketball people. I, I don't think anybody was like, you know, over the top, um, super like crazy enthusiastic about it when it first came to be. So like, I think a lot of people viewed it in a positive light, but I think there was a lot of skepticism at first. And I, I think that's natural and that was fine. I think we've gotten through that period. Um, it's not going away. The toothpaste is out of the tube with NIL. Um, you need to embrace it in order to grow, in order to see success. I think the way that happens is, and I don't say this just because of, you know, my friendship now with Pat and in the mass collective and everything is you just gotta, it's, I think the power is going to be in numbers. Um, certainly we'll have those donors to the collective that will be major donors and, and have a lot of power and influence. Um, in their dollars and contributions but I also think like just the people that are going to put 25 or 50 dollars in a year if if that number can double this year for you know UMass athletics or UMass you know basketball that will be huge um, I, and I think you know the more dollars we can raise and the more money you can spread throughout the program in NIL um, for the collective is huge but I also really want to see, and I'll say, you know, I don't have any control over this at all. I'd love to see small Western mass businesses get involved. Um, I, I don't know who or, you know, what, what shape that will take. Um, but I think they could be very influential because the, you know, the, the area around Amherst and other Western mass communities really, you know, when UMass is doing well, or, you know, UMass is the program is, is in a new phase right now they really gather around the program and really do a great job supporting it. I think those small businesses could have a huge impact. Without a doubt. Now we like to end on these fun little questions. Uh, what would your NIL deal be? If you could get, you know, if you were in this position and um, <laughs> had the chance to like, you know, pick a business out of a hat to, to do business with. Um, my NIL deal. Um, man, if I was a college student, it's gotta be a restaurant. Cause I was always hungry <laughs> and broke. Um, 
I will say this way back in the day, my NIL deal would have been free songs on the McMurphy's jukebox. <laughs> um, because I probably spent, I probably spent about, it felt like, you know, probably $20, $25 a weekend, uh, on the jukebox at McMurphy's, but, um, what, yeah, do you, what, I, what would you play? Say, in, what would you play in those days? Cause like these, I know it, I know what I'm putting on touch tunes, which is what's, you know, replaced uh, jukeboxes, but what, hey, what, what, what were your go-to right now? I'm, if anybody listens, if anybody's bored and listens to my episode of this with you, uh, they're they're gonna roll their eyes because I mean the late nineties, early two thousands music. I don't know what were we playing like like still Dre. Oh, still that's okay. That's a good one. Still, yeah. Good still shout. Yeah. For the record, I was born in ninety nine, Mike. Not to yeah, yeah. you know, oh, brother. Yeah. So, um, yeah. There's probably some like Biggie, maybe even though you know he he was he was gone at that point. Um, I'm an old soul, so I would probably put on like I would put on Springsteen all the time. Um, and you know, that still gets the people going today for the record. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, yeah I would probably, yeah. So, I'll stick with that. I'm going to say my NIL deals with the McMurphy's jukebox. That's like, that is a super original and insightful answer. It might be my favorite <laughs> we've gone through because, like, we got a lot of Antonio and stuff like that. Uh, Eli Slovin said he'd go with Ford because, you know, he needs a car. Uh, but the that's like a touch tunes, a touch tunes NIL deal or a jukebox NIL deal. That's, yeah, a, a, yeah. that's a perfect I, shout. I could, yeah, I could totally do that on the, you know, on the alumni side of things. Now I, they, they, you know, they wouldn't bring me in on a deal now. Cause that pretty, it would just be diet Coke, but uh, <laughs> you know, that, it, it still would be over fun. there, over there, pounding soda water in the corner. Yeah, Let's just, yeah. <laughs> someone put on board to run, you know, um, <laughs> uh, the last, the last question for you is, um, UMass is down one in a game. And actually, I'm, I've made this into a two-parter for you because of your, your coaching background. Down one in a game, UMass, it's it's an ATO. You know, you've got 15 seconds on the clock. You know, need a bucket to win the game. Which UMass player all time are you putting the ball in the hands of? And a second part of this question that I've just thought of now for you is which coach are you enlisting to draw up an ATO for this person to win the game? Oh man. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm actually going to give you three answers to a two parter because I'm so long, right. That's the Irish side of me. Um, so the bucket, I, I'll tell you player and situation. I'm getting the ball to Marcus Camby on the elbow and he is going to either rip and go or jab and make a jumper over somebody from one of those terrible you in one of those terrible Yukon jerseys to win the national championship. How about that? Yeah, that's you know what? Much more detailed than what we've gotten so far. So <laughs> and uh and the coach that I'm gonna um draw who's gonna draw it up. Um well I don't wanna I don't wanna play favorites. Um or I'm you know if I don't say bruiser and he's gonna he still yells at me um so he'll call me up and yell at me so i'll say bruiser and mike connor's drawing it up together in the huddle um because mike is mike is still my guy but i don't want brew to yell at me so those two guys um you know looking at the dry erase board the clipboard together and drawing that up and i'm going to give you one additional the the other shot that we want to see in umass history is a Terrell Vinson 
Freddie Riley hammer action to the weak side corner um, while uh, one of our guards drives it, you know, to the block and then is able to throw a hook pass to Freddie in the corner for a three to win TBT. Yeah. For the Elam ending. Yeah, you can, you know, from your lips to God's ears, like, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's possible. Um, It's, you know, slightly less likely to have, you know, <laughs> to, to be able to go back in time, but it, it is cool to be able to envision, um, you know, that happening next summer. Uh, Mike, if people want to follow you or uh, get involved with anything on your personal side, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I, I, uh, I have a good time on Twitter. I like to be sarcastic and uh, um, put some kind of dry humor things on Twitter sometimes. And then also, you know, help to promote the Commonwealth and um, and anything, you know, that I believe in on the basketball side, on the serious side. Um, I'm still, you know, like I said before, kind of an old soul. Um, so, uh, you know, I still stick to my guns with some of the, you know, beliefs about, uh, you know, the game and the way the game should be played and everything. Um, so they can, they can look for me on, on Twitter uh, at coach Mannix or some combination of that. I don't know. There might be an underscore in there. I don't even remember now, um, but they can look for me on there. And uh, you know, but I would just ask everybody just, just keep supporting UMass basketball. That's what we need. And um, you know, I, I think we got a real chance to grow here um, and, and coach Martin grow the program. Um to some to some pretty good heights and uh you know i just think to go back to the nil piece i think it's it's right there for us and as that you know good solid program in the a10 that could be at the top of the mid-major list um you know of power programs um and break into that you know once again kind of that high major list we can be right there and we can do that again but um i really appreciate you having me on too nathan this has been great Thank you so much. Uh, Mike Mannix uh, sharing his UMass basketball journey and basketball journey in general. And uh, thanks to everyone who listens to Commonwealth Conversations every day. Minimum stories brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective. I've been Nathan Strauss. We will talk to you next time. We're getting closer and closer to UMass basketball. And of course, join the Mass Collective. We will talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So, UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.